Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. And welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to talk about resources for someone lacking care. But before we jump into that topic, once again, I want to remind you of PeaceWorks University. You know, PeaceWorks University is our online membership community. And if you are benefiting from the things you're hearing here on the PeaceWorks podcast, PeaceWorks University is your best next step. It's true, you could listen to hundreds and hundreds of episodes of the PeaceWorks podcast and get nearly everything we offer at PeaceWorks for free. Or you can join PeaceWorks University and find all of that and more organized uh, in a membership website that you can uh, craft your own uh, educational experience, whether it be masterclasses with experts in domestic abuse or success paths uh, that can help you and your church get organized or homework assignments or infographics or live Q&As or just being part of the PeaceWorks University community. Uh, I really think you'll benefit from PeaceWorks University. So if you're ready to take the next step, you can find out more about PeaceWorks University at our website, chrismoles.org. Well, our question today is about care. Uh, What can a victim do if the church continues to minimize or deny her claims? That's a really difficult question, and it's something that we encounter often. Uh, there, there are many reasons why or many examples, I guess I could say, of this happening. Whether it be uh, through ignorance, there are some times in which churches and church leaders are just so, un, they, they lack training to such a great degree or understanding to such a great degree that they mishandle cases of abuse. And um, certainly that's not all the cases, but there is a lack of training that leads to uh, minimization or denial, or mutualization, which is maybe the, the most common among churches who are ignorant, who, are, who, who lack training, is minimizing the impact of abuse or mutualizing the abuse itself. There are churches, however, who are in protection mode and really focused on protecting uh, male authority for instance, which I don't think confronting abuse, and this is a different different topic for a different day, I don't think confronting abuse undermines male authority. I think confronting abuse actually promotes biblical authority and biblical headship as it holds people accountable, right? As um, the old Spider-Man adage, uh, Spider-Man theology, with great power comes great responsibility. I think there is a, a need for greater accountability Uh, among those who are called to lead. And if you are in a um, church setting in which elders and pastors are called to be the leaders, there is a level of responsibility there. If you're in a uh, system in which men are called to lead the home, and there's a lot of ways we can unpack that, but that also uh, leads them to be held responsible. So definitely... um, definitely a need for individuals to hold others accountable rather than um, protect people in authority. 
and other reasons why folks in the church may minimize or deny claims, there's protectionism, there's ignorance, um, there's fear that goes along with that. So what can a victim do if they've stepped into this world, they've asked the church for help, but the church leaders continue to minimize or deny? And I, I think one of the, the ways is they can seek help from other places. And I know for some of us in the church, it's just a wild idea that the church may not be a safe place. Um, I was just talking to a group of friends recently about this very thought that where we feel safe. And for some folks, the church is not a place that they feel safe. And when I say the church, I don't, I don't mean just the, the institution, but I mean the people within the institution. It would, it would pain me uh, to hear that, you know, I was not safe or our church was not safe. Now, let me caveat that. Is the little church that I pastor perfect? Of course not. Are there things that slip through the cracks or maybe are not handled well? Of course. That's that's life with people. Um, but if the the situation arose and we responded poorly, my hope would be that we would respond well to that, that we would seek forgiveness, that we would seek ways to to do things better. Uh, because we genuinely want to be safe as opposed to being a place uh, that harms others. So the victim in this case has approached our church. They seem to minimize or deny our claims. Where else can they go? And um, depending upon the extent at which you're experiencing coercive control um, or domestic abuse, you could go to local community-based resources. Um support groups that might be offered through the shelter, um, resources that could be available to you through victims advocates, or even the court system if you're experiencing um, criminal behavior or behavior that civilly could be restricted in some way. So you're under threat, you're uh, afraid, you've been harmed. There are resources such as civil orders of protection or um, community-based services that that could help you um, receive help as far as finding a safe place, uh, getting the support that could, you could benefit from. But the church itself could be so much, um, could be a wonderful resource, so much so, so than it often is, because we add layers of support, accountability, discipleship, theology that can help us process information, worldview, solidarity, all of those things are available within the church if, right, we're willing to view abuse through a lens that sees it as significant, that sees it as sin, um, and that sees our response as necessary to the work. So um, I hate in this scenario that the victim or the, the questioner is indicating that they've sought help from the church and the church is minimized or denied. Um if that is the case, then as I said a second ago, seeking help from the outside of the church might be necessary. You could seek help not just from your community-based agencies, but maybe from uh, ministries that are like-minded to what we do here at PeaceWorks. You can certainly reach out to us, and we can try to direct you uh, to victim services that might help, such as advocacy through Call to Peace or uh, counseling services from you know folks that uh, offer um, offer counsel like, um, 
or coaching like uh, Leslie Vernick and her Conquer group. I'm sorry, I, I went blank there for a second, but uh, joining a coaching ministry like Conquer could be helpful or a support group like Called to Peace or um, a biblical counseling ministry like Clarity in Action or others uh, that could give you a place uh, to be heard that is Christian, that is faithful to the Bible, uh, that's faithful in their work. Another part of the question that that comes up here that I see, there's like three or four sections to this question. When experiencing minimization or denial of their very claims of abuse, um, there seems to be times in which the church is sympathetic, but they're unwilling to respond. Like, we hear you. This is difficult, but we don't know what to do. And or we are unwilling to confront. I think that's one of the more interesting aspects of ministry that has really been um, affecting me lately. You know, as you're listening, I'm, I'm thinking through um, just scenarios of churches that don't know how to do confrontational ministry. Interestingly enough, they, they have policies and procedures. They have a lot of compassion and grace and so pastors and leaders may be equipped to have um, encouraging conversations, uh, prayerful conversations, even conversations as far as you know correction when somebody comes and asks for help or discipleship. But those hard conversations are something that a lot of pastors and elders and leaders are neither trained nor comfortable having. And if I may, I don't think anyone is comfortable having a, a confrontational conversation, but there are times in which, as the question is indicating, that the church should not only be willing, but eager to have those conversations. Now, look, I've been a pastor for a long time. And when there's a low-level problem in the church, seemingly, when there's a small conflict, it is difficult to, to have that conversation, especially when it's just preference, right? No one's really sinning. It's just like, so-and-so and so-and-so are not getting along or so-and-so heard you know, me say this and they took it this way, but it really wasn't what I said. And those are conversations you have to have. Those are just human relationships, right? Those are just things that we have to do as people. But then there are times when sin has really captivated the heart of an individual, so much so that it is um, permeating their relationship in a dangerous and a deadly way, like the question's indicating. And they need somebody to have that moment uh, of clarity where they confront what's happening. And I think that's a biblical mandate. I think you can find it in Galatians chapter 6. Brothers and sisters, if any of you is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore such a one in all gentleness. So there's a, a mandate of, to attempt to restore by confronting sin there is a method, methodology to do this through um, gentle counsel. Um, there's also a, um, an outcome, right? Uh, God will not be mocked. There are consequences uh, that you know, are, are instituted by God. So there's a need for us to have those type of conversations. Do they have to be hateful? No. Do you have to be a jerk? No. But it does take time. It does take uh, a little bit of skill. It does take intentionality to say, tell me a little bit about the conflict you're having in your marriage. 
When was the first time? When was the most recent time? When was the most heated time? Without, um, you know, pointing the finger at your your partner, at your wife, can you just walk me through maybe uh, a time in which you sinned against your wife in these conflicts? Can you describe for me what it is that you did? When you say that you yelled at her, what were some of the things that you said? When you said those things to her, what were the things that you wanted to accomplish? What were you hoping that she would do or not do? Being willing to have those type of conversations is the role, is within the purview of the church. And then to say, you know, as you have described your behavior and your motivation and your um, worldview, we would call that sin. That that violates God's um, call on your life as a husband in the following ways, as a Christian in the following ways, as directed towards a person made in the image of God in the following ways. And we, we want to walk through what it would look like to really respond to this sin, to have godly sorrow as opposed to worldly sorrow, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, to begin to see and then own what it is that we've done and then turn effectively in repentance so that we can have these demonstrative fruits of repentance um, that we're called to have as a believer. And that, although not fun work, necessary work. And I think that is really the heartbeat of the question here. The The questioner seems to be experiencing minimization and denial. Um, I would add mutualization as a very common response from the church, where the church hears, probably in a very sterile environment, like a pastor study or a counseling room, a, a snippet or a piece of what is happening. And, and they, for any number of reasons that we cited at the beginning of this podcast, say, well, it doesn't seem that bad, or it could be worse, or that doesn't sound right, or I can't see so-and-so doing that, or perhaps they mutualize, well, you know, this doesn't happen in isolation. What did you do to him? How did you invite this upon yourself? Or let's do marriage counseling, and everybody can kind of own their own thing, as opposed to uh, we hear you, we, we see the ways in which this has impacted you, uh, with your permission, we're going to move forward to confront. And um, I think even if the confrontation did not produce the outcome that the church wanted or the victim wanted, I think it would be more welcome than the minimization or the denial. So I guess I say all that to say, church leaders, we've got to do a little little bit better, not just a little bit better, we got to do a lot better at listening to the concerns of others and finding ways to effectively pull the rope and gather the data that we need to do confrontational ministry well, not to simply attack uh, folks or try to bully them into um, submission. That would be inappropriate, but to invite them into self-reflection, into conviction, as it were, um, and into repentance so that we can see change and sanctification and you know, heart level transformation for sure. Uh, I, I do think also that we need to be prepared to partner with resources that maybe could help us process that. I think that was one of the the great things about an experience I had recently at the time of this recording. I'm just returning from a conference where uh, an an organization uh, did a great job putting together an event just to help pastors, leaders, and church people just understand some of the aspects of abuse that maybe we're not seeing so that we can have a little bit more clarity and partner with the right people uh, to point our feet in the right direction to honor God 
and to glorify Christ. Then, of course, uh, maybe it's time for you as a victim to interact with community-based resources or resources that could help you, um, could help you um, strategize or find support or clarify, even in your own heart and mind, what is happening and point you in a direction uh, for help. Well, I hope that was in some ways beneficial. It is so hard to hear that the church continues to, uh, in some ways, minimize, deny, or mutualize. This is an ongoing issue that we're working towards, and it will not shift overnight. It will not change our entire culture overnight, but our prayer is that we'll begin to see more church leaders and churches equipped and trained and um, willing to uh, partner with agencies that can help clarify and um, and support uh, victims of domestic abuse. Thank you guys again for being part of the PeaceWorks podcast. If you're benefiting from the podcast, would you do us a favor, uh, rate, review, subscribe, follow, whatever it is that the platform you're listening on asks you to do. Let them know that you value the PeaceWorks podcast. Thank you guys again for being part of the work. Until next time, God bless.